brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. there's always one good thing to come out of it and that is indeed comedy whether it's music whether it's sketches and whether it's movies there's always finally something that you could just look at and think okay this is funny this makes things better welcome to a very comedic edition of the game changer i'm your host nate the effing great and i'm being joined here as always by the lovely and extraordinary victory bell how are you doing this evening (laughs) It's weird for us to talk at night. <laughs> it really is. Usually I'm the night owl and I have work going on, but thankfully I got work off tonight, so we just decided, you know what, let's just get this show on and over with tonight, and that way we can actually, you know, just talk about what we're going to be talking about, and that is indeed going to be talking about comedy, but in the form of movies. Now, a lot of people might know comedy taking forms, whether it's parody movies or anything that Mel Brooks does, which is honestly gold. I'm still watching Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, goodness. That is such good funny stuff. So we thought that it would be kind of good to kind of go into some of our favorite comedic movies that we've enjoyed over the years. Now, be warned, there are going to be some spoilers. If you guys haven't seen a lot of these comedic movies, definitely you can expect a lot of that going on. So with that being said, let's just get right into it. Let's talk about some comedic movies and I think that there's only one movie that we could start it off with, and that is with a Jim Carrey classic, Liar, Liar. So for those of you that don't know this movie, basically it's a story about a lawyer who basically goes through his life 
lying about everything, trying to make things better. But one thing that he's always very truthful about is the fact that he does care about his kid. And on his birthday, his kid makes a wish that he wishes that his dad couldn't lie for a whole entire day. This is where the comedy really gets to be good, because just as that happens, he's just having fun. He has sex with uh, his with his boss's partner to try and get up in the world, and they're finished up, and she just says, how is that for you? And he just has the first iconic line of, I've had better. And just then, he's like, oh boy, this is going to start off really well. It goes from there. You go into it deal where he talks about women's breasts, how they're huge, and that's why everybody's nice to her. He talks to a bum, basically saying, like, yeah, I could spare you some change, but I'm cheap, so I can't. And he just goes into all these deals. And what's actually crazy is the fact that he really starts realizing that telling the truth is more important than just lying consistently. It's done in a very, very comedic deal, and obviously one of the biggest scenes in that deal is where he's basically pulled over by a cop and the cop asks you know why I pulled you over and he says well that depends on how long you were following me and then he goes through like all the rest of all his traffic violations and to top it off it's like a huge tear it's a huge cherry on the Sunday that is comedy where he says I've also have unpaid parking tickets he just opens up his glum box and just a bunch pour out one of the funniest <laughs> movies, dear lord. So definitely one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies is indeed Liar Liar. I mean, just the reaction that he has, and just all the stuff that he does to try and tell a lie, but unfortunately he's not able to. Uh, even another scene where he is trying to basically lie about a color of a pen, because he's basically saying, like, it's red, it's red, it's red. He puts it right in front of him, and he says, the pen is really... He just cannot say the word red. He just go, goes, royal blue. So many good stuff in this movie, but honestly, a lot of people know Jim Carrey for a lot of other comedic stuff. I think that this is one of those ones that is definitely at the peak of his career as far as comedy goes. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad. I, I feel like we both picked these movies that we chose because of the actors in general, and this is just one of our favorite movies of these actors, and I'm so glad you picked Jim Carrey. Obviously, now he's a little cuckoo and crazy, but back in the day, like The Mask and all these different great movies he had, I, I just... I love and Liar Liar. I I haven't seen it in so long, but now you make me want to go watch it again. Um, he also had another movie called Yes Man that was very similar to this. I think he was trying to redo Liar Liar. Do you remember the Yes Man movie? Oh my gosh, I remember like it was yesterday. One of the best deals. Basically, for those of you that don't know, Yes Man was a mo movie where this guy Carl he's basically going through his life saying no all the time. And then he goes to a seminar where he's basically told, okay, you're basically going to be saying yes no matter what the situation, no matter what happens, you say yes. And, of course, hilarity ensues, but it also develops a relationship that he has with uh, his uh, co-star, uh, Zoe Deschanel, which was one of the first uh, exposures that I had to Zoe and some of the comedy that she can bring. It's just like, wow, she is not only cute, but she's absolutely hilarious. This is... Kind of one of those characters that I, and, you know, actresses that I kind of want to see do more. And, of course, she would do another comedy, uh, Elf, which we've definitely talked about on the podcast in previous 
episodes, so definitely go check those out, especially during our Christmas-themed episodes. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that movie reminded me of Liar Liar, though, because it's him doing his, like, oh, God, da, da, da. <laughs> he has to say what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jim Carrey. He's very, uh, has a lot of uh, physical humor in him, of his facial expressions and how he has to hit himself a lot. And it was just, it's a great movie. I, I like I like your choice. It It's a very funny movie. Definitely go watch it. Highly recommend it. But... Enough about one of my choices. Uh, what do you have for a comedy choice? Let's see what, you know, funny bone, what movies kind of tickle your funny bones. Okay, so let me start with maybe a newer one. I want to I wanna start with one of the newer ones for me. Um, I really, really like the comedy duo and kind of the group that it, that basically is surrounding Seth Rogen. I know some people can say, uh, Seth Rogen's not even funny. He just sits there and laughs and blah, blah, blah. It's all about drugs. But when him and James Franco get together, I think it's hilarious. Um, and the movie I decided to choose was the movie that they actually kind of play themselves. And they just play really heightened versions, parodies of themselves. Um, and the movie is This Is The End. Uh, I think a lot of people probably know this movie. It's um, the one where basically alien, or it, the rapture happens, not aliens. The rapture happens at a party that James Franco is hosting. And basically the group that is... Uh, I don't really know all of their names, like the actors' names, but uh, Jonah Hill is in it. Uh, shoot. I, I wish I had my computer around me now, but um, it's a guy from Tropic Thunder that blows everything up. He's like, oh, yeah, cancel, cancel. You know that actor? You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah that guy. And then um, the guy from Sorcerer's Apprentice is in it. He's like the tall, lanky guy. <laughs> Uh, I don't know his name, but he's, like, one of the main characters in it, too. But it's, like, Seth Rogen, James Franco, and it's, a lot of people are in it, too, uh, that are just, that just die. A lot of people die instantly because the rapture happens, and it's basically the end of the world. And you just get to, like, see uh, how these guys interact with each other if they were heightened parody versions of themselves like James Franco seems like he's obsessed with himself Jonah Hill is like nice to everybody but he's also an ass <laughs> like, like and they're always like shut up Jonah fuck you fuck you Jonah <laughs> and everything he's like jeez guys try to be nice <laughs> like it's just really it, it's funny there's a lot of smoking pot and people eating food for the end of the world that they shouldn't and people dying and and yeah I think uh, what's her face uh, Emma Watson's in it for a scene and like she dies <laughs> like it's just like it's just one of those movies that you're just like every scene something's gonna happen to make you be like okay did this really happen this is hilarious and um do you know the McLovin guy? Um, do, you, do you remember Superbad? Oh, gosh. I, rem I remember that kid from Superbad, but I also remember him from Role Models, too. Yes, um, he's in it. 
Uh, he's in this, and also Michael Sarah. Do you remember Michael Sarah from Superbad? He was the, or he was in Juno too. Like he's like super nerdy and kind of talks like this, uh, and he's super skinny and <laughs> and like he's like a coke addict and like in this, oh like he's just always snorting coke. Like even at the end of the world, he just snorts coke to die. <laughs> You're like okay, but. It's just a hilarious movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's nonstop laughter, and most people die. Oh, uh, what's his face? Um, I, again, I don't know pe- these guys' names. I just know this comedy group in general really always tickles my funny bell, and it always makes me really happy to see them all together. I forget. I think his name is something Robbins. He's like that really big black guy who was in The Office, too, and just funny. They're all just so funny. It was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Craig Robinson. Thank you. I knew it was Robin something. Thank you. But, but yes, I, I really like, you know, all those guys. They kind of stick together and do movies like Pineapple Express. I already said Hot Tub Time Machine. A lot of them are in it. Super bad. A lot of them are in it. So that's just another group I enjoy. Yeah, this was one of those very uniquely dark, but also very funny movies, like you mentioned. Uh, some of the names that were on here uh, do include Seth Rogen, uh, Jay Barshule, I think his that's name was. That's him. That's the Sorcerer's Apprentice guy. He's like yeah. the tall, lanky, dark-haired one. Yeah. Um, Danny McBride is involved. Uh, yes. Kevin Hart and Paul Rudd, they make an appearance on here. Uh, Aziz Ansari makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah, they, they all die. Oh, my gosh. And, <laughs> and what, one of the most probably, like, scary but also funniest moments of the entire deal is when they have Channing Tatum involved in this movie. And oh, yeah! <laughs> I forgot that part. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, Channing Tatum, when was he? Oh, that's right. He was, like, the gimp. That's right. He Just... was, like, the sex doll. Like, <laughs> get out here. Get out here. He's like, yes, master. <laughs> oh, man. One of the hunkiest guys in all of Hollywood, basically being told by Danny McBride, hey, get out here, you're my bitch now. Yep. Oh my gosh, that just, I honestly forgot how funny that movie was. That was a, that's a really good pick. Like you said. It's just so weird, too. You're just like, what is going on? (laughs) And like, every now and then they just try and incorporate like, post-apocalyptic stuff, where they're talking, where they're doing like, possessions. Uh, Danny McBride does like a couple of like, (laughs) videos, like, like, vlogs. Like, he does the deal where he's just like, Hermione just came in and she just stole all of our stuff, as well as our weed. Just, <laughs> just God help me. This movie starts off really dark, and then it just somehow just elevates better and better and better. And one of the things that really gets crazy is when they have this whole deal where when people do, like, kind acts, they get transported and teleported yeah, up they to get, heaven. Yeah, they get raptured. They get raptured. Yeah. And so they're all trying to get accepted by God, and they're like, oh, it has to be a selfless act. And they're like, oh, darn, we suck at that. And most of them didn't go up because they said, oh, man, we're Jewish. No, we didn't believe in this. <laughs> like, it was really funny. Oh, man. I, yeah, I think the one of the best ones was just James Franco. He's just starting to go up, and then he just gets cocky and arrogant. He's like, so long, you suckers. And then he no. just starts slowly going down. It's like... And Seth Rogen and uh, Jay are just kind of like, oh, he's getting cocky, he's getting cocky. And 
you hear Jimmy Fable like, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then he just gets eaten up by everybody. It's like, oh, wow, that that just, that happened. Well. That was so funny. <laughs> it's just so, it's just, like, I feel like they make a lot of really pretty dumb movies, but they're just, like, epic. Like how you said, like, you throw in these different little events that happen, and you're like, wait, what? And you're like, yeah, this happened, and they filmed this. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny we mentioned uh, Jay in this, because I think that's actually a perfect transition into the next film that I have on my list, and that being the really major comedy that really just... I honestly think I would put this in my top five. That being Tropic Thunder. Basically, nice. it's a bunch of actors who come together, and they're basically all trying to do like this Vietnam War story deal. It features uh, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Steve Coogan, uh, Jay Mishuli, like we mentioned, uh, Danny McBride, a uh, yep. couple of other, other people, uh, even featured, oh my gosh, the fact that he even features Matthew McConaughey in here, he's like very small in this deal, but... Isn't Tom Cruise in it too? He is! I know, he's like the big boss that pretends to be like, like he's acting like a, like he's a really heavy bald dude. <laughs> oh, that's right. Ru- oh my gosh, that was a lot of yeah. makeup. <laughs> uh, they even incorporated some other people like uh, Tobey Maguire, Tyra Banks, uh, Maria Menounos, Martin Lawrence, a lot of other people that got involved in this. And this was just one of those movies where it was just, you know, every so often they had such really good funny stuff. And I think the one person who probably hit it out of the park more than anything was indeed Robert Downey Jr. Basically playing an Australian who's now trying to act like he's black. He's doing this deal where he's just trying to be this tough black guy and so many people are just like, well, he did this controversial uh, pigmentation where he's trying to make his skin go from white to black. It's just some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen Robert Downey Jr. do. If you've, You're basically watching Iron Man go from kind of like a semi-funny kind of, like, serious guy to just a full-blown, flat-out funny, hilarious guy where he's just basically going out there trying to act like he's black. And even during the movie, he's talking to one of the other black cult guys just saying, like, hey, man, are we cool? And he's just like, hell no! Are you kidding me? Like, Get off me! <laughs> <laughs> just like, uh, but honestly, it still boils down to, like, one of my favorite scenes from the entire movie is when they're all kind of doing, like, some heart-to-heart talkings with each other, just like, oh, well, you know, what do you want to do after this movie? What do you want to do after this movie? And then finally we get to, uh, I want to see if I can get his, uh, see if I can get his, um, him, uh, Brandon T. Jackson's character of, uh, Al Pacino, where he ba- basically is being asked, you know, you know, hey, if you got something special, you know what you gotta do? You just gotta say, hey, you and me, we going on a date. What's the name? Lance. Listen here, Lance. Lance! What the fuck did I just hear? Lance? It's like, no, no, I said Lance. I said Lance. I said Lance. And just that whole entire scene just elevates. Especially, and again, it just seals the deal where he ends, where Robert Downey Jr. just ends it with the line. He's like, hey, everybody's gay once in their lifetime. It's okay, dude. It's like, what? What is going on with this movie? And also, oh my gosh. And you mentioned how Michael Cera was like a crack addict. Oh my gosh. Jack Black was almost the epitome of what, you know, crack cocaine does to you in the worst way, where he's just trying to find, where he had, like, this um, pixie stuff where 
they thought, oh, it was candy. No, it was crack. It was cocaine. It's stuff. <laughs> and just, you see him going through, like, this evolution. It reminds me so much of his performance in uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, where you see him taking on a different character, where he goes from being a crack addict, where he's just completely, absolutely insane, and then you look at uh, Jumanji, where he's just trying to be, like, this very, very civilized and very kind of, like, sexual girl, which is like, man, the things that Jack Black can do can just surprise the hell out of you. And this is another one of those movies where I'm like, I expect him to be funny, but not this funny. It was really good. Oh, yeah. Tropic Thunder was hilarious. And it's kind of, I I kind of put it under the same, like, umbrella of those guys. Like, I mean, the Danny McBride and the Jay, like, they, they are part of that crew. And, you know, they just, they, like, throw in as many big stars as they can in order to, to really, like, amp it up, and people want to go see it, because, like, oh, I like this person, oh, I like this person, too, oh, wow, this person's in it, <laughs> and then it also becomes, like, an epic comedy, like, Tropic Thunder, like, usually comedies you feel are, like, you know, hour and a half, something like that, these comedies are always, like, over two hours, and you go on a journey with them. It's very funny. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of different layers. Like, who's coming in next? We don't know. Like, what? They like they like Little Jack or whatever Jack it was called. Simple Jack. Like, that's right. Simple Jack. They like Simple Jack. He's like, what is his thing? What is the thing he says? But, but please don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, but, but please don't hurt me. Like, that was just awful. And then this whole group of people were like, Simple Jack! Simple Jack! Oh, uh, it's just so funny. It's, it's so funny, and I, I really... Uh, good choice. Another good choice. It's just amazing how you can take a bunch of comedy geniuses and bring them all together, and they just create a wonderful film like this one. Uh, I dare you to find another one that could be just as funny, but I think you might have another one. <laughs> I dare you. Um, I do. I definitely do. I have a ton, but we're trying to limit it to five. Um, I guess I'm going to try to go down, like, lower in the, the timeline, like, years ago in the past. But uh, I'll start with Little Nicky then for the years ago in the past. One of Adam Sandler's best. Adam Sandler was so freaking funny and epic in the time. Like, I love almost every single thing he was in. Like, Waterboy, uh, Little Nicky, the one I picked. Um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of all of them? Billy Madison? Uh, yes, Billy Madison, of course, of course. You're only cool if you pee your pants. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Happy Gilmore, all those. Oh, my gosh, they're just so good. And I just picked Little Nicky just because I really like that it's, like, a devil movie. <laughs> so, like, he's like, hi, guys, I'm Lee, I'm, my name's Nicky. <laughs> and everything, and you're just like, what the heck? And, and I'm the devil, but I want to fall in love. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. And you get to see a bunch of comedians and, just about a, a poor young devil who who lives in hell and he's trying, you know, to figure out life. So he's going 
back to the real world and he figures out his mom was an angel and his dad was a devil and he's just trying to figure out life. <laughs> Man, if that's... And his, his two big brothers are trying to bring him back to hell. Oh my gosh, this sounds like one of those movies that definitely would be one of those things that would come out of Adam Sandler's head. Oh yeah, and of course they have a, a, a bulldog that is also a devil, and they talks to him and stuff, smokes and does all the craziness, and it's like just this little cute bulldog. <laughs> have you ever seen Little Nicky? I have not actually seen Little Nicky. <laughs> Oh, you got to. You got to. Um, it, it's on the it's list. Just, it's a, uh, if you've seen any of the Adam Sandler, like the Billy Madisons, have you, do you, have you seen any of them? Oh, of course I've seen Billy Madison. Good. If you liked Billy Madison, you'll like Little Nicky. It's, all of it's kind of around the same, you know, Adam Sandler humor style that is, like, things are going to be a little gross, some things are going to be funny, uh, what is it, Robert, or Rob, Rob Schneider? what's his name, what's his name, Schneider? Yeah, Rob, Rob Schneider. Schneider? Yes, he'll, like, make an appearance, so you can do it! <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of Adam Sandler's friends are in there, obviously, he's always making movies with his friends, and he just had a, an amazing crew back in the day, and now, I mean... He still makes kind of funny movies, but I feel like he's more of a family man, so he's not really breaking the boundaries like he used to do. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. There, there was actually one interview where he talks about uh, doing the movie Blended, and he actually gone on to admit, it's like, yeah, I kind of did this movie so that I could go on vacation with my family. So <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those things oh, that's like, really, dude, come on. You could have at least put some right. effort into it. <laughs> really funny. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like a really cool movie, but I accepted it because it's in Hawaii or whatnot. <laughs> like, cool. Well I, think, uh, well, I think that when we talk about, you know, comedians who definitely have, I w we wouldn't really say peaked their prime, but definitely had better days and better movies, I think we definitely need to talk about the Austin Powers series. And for me, on my list, I have Austin Powers, The Spy, uh, the spy Who Shagged Me, the second one. I would have picked the first one, but honestly, for me, I think what clinched the deal for me to choose the second one was indeed uh, the performance by the late, great Vern Troyer, Mini-Me. He definitely made the movie just that much more hilarious, and a lot of the jokes that were going on during this deal was really funny. Uh, they kind of made like simplistic deals with uh, time travel, where I think that Austin Powers was trying to, like, figure out the whole time travel de deal and then he just goes oh no I've gone cross-eyed <laughs> it's like yeah try it. that that's basically everybody who tried to understand the whole back to the future part two deal because that was one of those movies where it was like yeah this is getting confusing here so it's literally like yep you're speaking for everybody when you talk about that uh and it was another one of those movies where it introduced me to Heather Graham, who honestly, I looked at her, I just like, oh boy, so this is basically the girl that I would want to show off, basically. She is absolutely gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. She actually had a couple of uh, funny lines every now and then, but yeah, Austin, Austin Powers, Mike Myers, Dr. Evil, you can't really beat that duo, and just where they mocked Star Wars during the movie, where... 
Doctor Evil just says like, but before you do, before you kill me, know this, Austin, I am your father. And Austin's like, really? No, not really. I can't, I can't back that up. It's just one of those things where it's like they're taking shots at pop culture stuff, and it's so damn funny how they do it. And again, oh, yeah. like, like I said, everything that goes on with Mini Me, it's just absolutely hilarious where he's either just, you know, just running around, picking on Scott, or even like the beginning scene I really loved where he's, where they're both him and Dr. Evil, they're just holding two naked, two, you know, shaved cats. And basically, Dr. Evil's like, do you, do you want anything? Not, not a Twinkie? Not a Hot Pocket? And Mimi's just about to eat the, eat the cats. Like, no, we don't gnaw on our kitty. Leave me, no. Leave Minnie Mr. Bigglesworth alone. Just pet him and stroke him. And they just set their cats down. Or even like the scene where he's uh, where he's presenting the laser and here's little Minnie-Me just going cra- crazy on it. It's like, Mimi, stop humping the laser. Why don't you two get a freaking room? My God. <laughs> I mean, Austin Powers is just literally Mike Myers at his best. It is Mike Myers featured Mike Myers and also Mike Myers. Like he's, he just gets to do all of his best type of like voices. You know, I I don't know. I don't really remember who done it first. If it was Mike Myers or Eddie Murphy, which is another great comedian, but um, like he literally just is half of the people in this film. So it's like, He's like, oh, now he's the fat bastard, the Scottish get him up, belly. <laughs> and like, and like oh, especially the mini-me, like, get him up, belly. <laughs> and everything. And you're just like, what <laughs> the hell? And this is Mike Myers. And oh, Dr. Evil is Mike Myers. And Austin Powers is Mike Myers. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, he's everyone in this movie. Wow. And you also get introduced to, of course, Seth Green, who goes on to know, you know, make Robot Chicken and uh, part of Family Guy. So just uh, epic people. Epic people. I kind of want a Mike Myers appearance on Robot Chicken where basically he's just in a, well, this is not exactly a, a step up from Austin Powers. Now is it, baby? It's like, shut up. Uh, shut up, Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Just like where uh, Family Guy likes to take shots at uh, Seth Green every now and then. They're just like, saying, like, random shots like, Oh, hey, you guys are being Robot Chicken. How's it feel to be on a real network? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that was uh, so funny. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. All right, what do you got next for us? Well, I guess if we're talking... No, I don't want to do that one. I was about to say a cartoon one, but I don't want to. I don't want to do it anymore. Um... <laughs> Okay, did that, did that. Let's get to another goofy ex-Saturday Night Live character. Okay. And I, I pick Anchorman. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody knows Anchorman. Uh, or was it San Diego or San Francisco? My bad, San Francisco. <laughs> I don't even remember what town he said that to. Um. But yeah, Will Ferrell is amazing and hilarious, and he finally brought together Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, and I don't remember the cowboy's name, and he's in so much things, and I know he's Will Ferrell's really good friend, but I don't know his his name. Do you remember his name? I am looking it up right now. Just continue talking. (laughs) Yay! He's looking it up! 
but yeah, so basically, it's a, we follow a, a, in the 70s or 80s, basically, a, a team of reporters telling the news as the news should be told. And we get to see their interesting life and how they interact with females and how they can't believe females can be on the news. They're not smart enough. How can they even read? I don't understand. And it's just ridiculous and Will Ferrell at his best. Um, and I mean, the, one of the most epic scenes is the news reporter, like rumble or whatnot, or brawl and like all the different stations from around the, the area come together to have a brawl, a giant brawl. And you see, I, I, I forget all the people who are in this, but I know Ben Stillers comes in this scene and Ben Spawn comes in this scene. And they, I, I think one of the Will Wilsons, either Luke or... Luke Wilson, yeah. Yeah, Luke Wilson comes in this scene. And it, it's just hilarious. And, um, yeah, I, I just... What else can you say about Anchorman? It's... It's... It's gold. It's comedy gold. And, uh, we're surprised they finally had an Anchorman 2. It wasn't that great. But Anchorman 1, it, it stands alone. If we're talking about not making sequels, Anchorman 2. <laughs> well, first of all, the uh, uh, Ch- Champ Champ Kind was uh, D- David uh, Co- uh, Co- Kochner, I think is his name. If I'm not uh, right. Okay, I will never remember his name, and that is so sad. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Mr. David. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff in there. But I think if there was like one guy in there that really stood out to me, uh, you definitely do me- mention his name, uh, Steve Carell as Brick. He just finds a way to just have all these like awkward one-liners that are just the most funniest things that you'll ever see. And that goes for Anchorman 1 and 2. Like, the fir- like during the fight scenes that you mentioned, I love what he just brings to the table. He first just holds up a grenade and they're just like Brick, do you have a grenade? He's like, yes. Where did you get that? I don't know. <laughs> or just... This a, is, the, yeah, wasn't this like one of our introductions to how great Steve Carell was going to be? I mean, I know he was on the office and I know he did 40-Year-Old Virgin, but I feel like this was one of his like breakout roles of like everybody wants Steve Carell now. Yeah, it, it definitely was, and we got some pretty good movies out of that, and then we also had a movie that was known as Evan Almighty, which, honest to God, it was like, yeah, no, we, we did not need this movie. This was one of those things that just needed to happen, but, yeah, like I said, Brick just found a way to just win me over so instantly, where it's like, I kind of want a movie just based on this character alone, where he's just... Go, living through his life, and he's just being absolutely hilarious. Um, in, the, in the second one, I will say this, that, you know, some people may not think that the second Anchorman is as good as the first one, but I will say that the fight scene that they have where it's just a bunch of news teams coming together, and you just have so many different, you know, celebrities get involved. You had uh, uh, Tina Fey and uh, I think it's Amy Poehler were involved. Yeah, Amy Poehler, uh, yeah. Jim, Jim Carrey got involved. Uh, Liam Neeson, Will Smith, uh, oh, Harrison Ford, some of these other people just getting involved. It's just so funny. Um, it is. It, it, literally, that's like what everybody 
like remembers out of Anchorman besides ever, you know, go fuck you. <laughs> that he <laughs> reads whatever he says or whatever is on the prompter. <laughs> and I do also like Paul Rudd's character too, like the, the panther pheromones that he sprays on himself. <laughs> You know, it gets all the ladies going. 60% of the time, it works every time. It's like, I don't think this math is right here. And I think that's just a preview of what we would get for uh, the comedy that he would bring as uh, Scott in uh, Ant-Man. Definitely one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, this is where... Oh, man, he's pretty funny in here. And you definitely see that kind of evolve more in the Marvel universes as well. So, you know... So far as we know, I mean, Will Ferrell, he's kind of doing okay. Steve Carell, I think he's got a pretty good career with him. Paul Rudd, he's in Marvel, so he's going to be pretty good for the next few years until they decide, hey, let's just kill off Scott and get ready for the next generation of Ant-Man, which will be a sad day because it's like I kind of want Paul Rudd to be Ant-Man forever because he's just that awesome. Um, but, But you didn't really like Batman forever, did you? Batman forever? Well, <laughs> I mean, there were some things that, you know, were nitpicky, but I like it better than Batman and Robin. We'll just say that, and we'll leave it at that for another day. For another day. I just um, had to throw that joke in there, right? It's a comedy episode. Yeah, you know. We got, we, got to be, we got to bring out the ha-has every now and then. We got to bring them out now. Um, uh, when talking about bringing out, and let's just continue on also. You mentioned Vince Vaughn. Uh, one of my favorite roles that he did featured not only him, but also uh, Steve Carell, uh, not Steve Carell, uh, Ben Stiller, uh, Justin Long, uh, yes. and that being Dodgeball, a true underdog story. God help me, this movie was way too funny than it needed to be. And I think, in all honesty, again, it, if I look, can look back on it and say there's one star in this movie, I have to say it's Ben Stiller, because everything that he did as just this guy who works at Globo Gym, and he's just basically making it seem like, oh yeah, I'm basically the guy that's going to own everything. I'm going to turn your gym into basically a parking lot, and blah, 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 just doing that deal. And then just some of the stupid stuff that he does, where he has his like nipples clamped up to like a car battery or something, and he's just taunting himself, where he's like, yeah, you want that donut, don't you, fat boy? Go ahead, just take a bite. One little bite's not going to hurt you. He just shocks himself before he even eats the donut. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is this guy doing? But, again, you just see so many other stuff where he's just comic gold, where you realize that Ben Stiller, he can be absolutely funny when he is on his A-game. Another one where he basically introduces everybody. He's like, Blazer, Taser, Michelle. He's, He's just trying to be like this overly sensualized guy but it's in the cheesiest and funniest of ways and I also loved I think my favorite part was also during uh, when he's basically trying to hit on like the banker he's he basically gets thrown into a wall and he just says like it's over between you and me nobody makes me bleed my own blood nobody <laughs> god help me just and just like dodgeball anything. was the best man it reminds us the Do- five basics of dodgeball dodge duck dip dive and Dodge. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? 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 <laughs> Wham! Ow. If you can dodge traffic, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. 
<laughs> oh man, Patches O'Houlihan, that character was just, it's like, oh hey, he's a nice, respectable character, but then you kind of see him where he just loses his mind, he's saying all this random stuff you would expect a hobo or something to him say, like he's like, is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not, no, but I do it anyway. It's like, no, dude, just, no, I don't need that visual in my head, no, no, just, <laughs> Oh, Joey, love <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. What? I, I think this is also where it was kind of a peak for uh, Justin Long when it came to some of his comedy, because he could have been, like, the next Jim Carrey with all the physical comedy that he was doing, getting hit with balls, and then he does those uh, major dodges at, like, the final major climax of the movie. He's just dodging every single ball, doing almost like a Matrix deal, and, like, Jeez Louise, this guy's super flexible. How is he able to do that? Just, just absolutely amazing. The Dodgeball is one of those movies that's definitely underrated and underappreciated. Definitely go check that out. And for those of you that definitely do enjoy a good Vince Vaughn performance, it's definitely one of those ones that I can look at and say, yeah, I liked Vince Vaughn in this one. There's some where it's like, eh, Vince Vaughn, I could take him or leave him. But yeah, I you think- know what? That is interesting. Like, Vince Vaughn is kind of a. It's kind of boring, but this was this has to be one of my favorite Vince Vaughn movies. I think it was. It still wasn't like a, a main character to me. Like he was the main character, but at the same time, you're like, I don't really remember much from him. I, I remember Ben Stiller. I remember uh, the pirate. Arr. <laughs> oh my gosh! Not all that. Oh, just, just, great. He's he's just getting thrown dodgeballs and he just yells at those Girl Scouts. I'm gonna send you to hell. <laughs> it's like oh. And when God. they win, how they get into the tournament because they lost against Girl Scouts. Oh my god. And they're like, um, actually, one of your uh, players took steroids. <laughs> and they're like, Janet Bernays, and she's like, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, we, we could honestly so go. Th- we could go through like so many of these movies in whole, but we only have like so much time that we could actually do this. You're right. But, you're right. You're right. But you know, you know something. Honestly, I'm trying to check the time right now. Oh my gosh, I think we still got so much time. I I think that we can go past a little bit of five as long as we keep like some of the you know synopsis and plots like short and sweet. I think we can go past five. And honestly, this is a really good series, just reflecting on so many of these comedies, but. Uh, it is because we haven't seen them in so long, too. Like like dodgeball, like I have that DVD. I just I've never watched it in probably five years. Made me wonder. <laughs> makes makes me want to just watch it again, or at least watch certain scenes where it's like I need a good Ben Stiller scene. What we got here? No, it makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody just drives <laughs> off on a moped while just flipping him off, and Vince Vaughn having the line of, "Well, at least that wasn't weird." <laughs> <laughs> at least that wasn't weird. Alright, so what do you got next for us? Okay. So, next, I'm going to kind of shake it up a little. Uh, I think this is a little more of a controversial, like, film. But I used... I I went to all of these in theaters, and I thought they were hilarious. And I still respect these guys to this day, even though they're crazy and insane. But uh, I, I picked Jackass, man. The film with... Uh, Johnny Knoxville and the crew, Steve-O and all, Wee Man and all these crazy guys who decided we're going to hurt ourselves on TV and we're going to make millions of dollars for it. And they did. They did hilarious, wacky things in public. Um, started, you know, Bam, Bam 
Majera and all them started on MTV, decided to go and make it in theaters, and they had three movies, and there's another one, I think, coming out soon. Like, I think they decided to do it again, even though one of their, uh, the main, one of the main cast members, Ryan Dunn, actually passed away, um, I think three years ago, from a, a drunk driving accident or something, and, which is really sad, but they're, they're all back, and a lot of them were had drug issues and stuff, but they're back and they want to hurt themselves again. <laughs> yeah, the, Do you remember Jackass? Oh my gosh, how could I not forget Jackass? I think, honestly, my brother introduced me into the uh, Jackass realm, and to be, to be fair, it was one of those things where I think my mom had to take a few drinks before getting into it. I think it was either that or, that, or, or like another movie I think that you're going to mention later on. But yeah. there, there's a lot of so much controversial stuff, but also a lot of just comedic gold that they brought into us. I still look back and I think to myself, what are some of the best mo- sketches from that movie, from those movies? And honestly, I think one of my favorites ha- is the uh, the Terror Taxi one, where basically it's a it's a oh, prank geez. on a it's a prank on a prank, basically, where they're just deciding, you know, what, we're just going to dress up one of our guys like he's going to be a terrorist. He's just going to go to a terror airport and just basically act like, oh, I'm going to blow things up. What he doesn't know is that the taxi driver is on our side. So he's just going to make a little U-turn. He's going to basically take him down a dark alleyway. He's going to just beat the ever-living piss out of him, throw him in the trunk, and we're just going to kind of go from there. But it gets worse from there because then they find out that, hey, you know that beard that you got on there? Yeah, uh, people just start unzipping their jeans and they're just like, hey, look, I kind of got a nice little shave here. And there's like, oh, no, they... They used their pubes, didn't they? Yep, they did. Just, it's one of those things where, I think Bam described it best, where he was going from, like, every single emotion in, like, a matter of, like, 20 minutes. He went from, like, super happy to doing this sketch, and then, like, terrified that things were going on. Then he went, like, sad, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And then he just got happy again. Then he got super pissed about the reveal about the beard deal. Just one of the funniest things that I will ever remember seeing. But if I had to pick something from, like, the original, I think... I might have to choose the, um, I, I think, I think the one that stands out the most is the whole deal where Bam decides, I'm just going to make my mom say, say fuck before the movie's over. And she, she just decides, I'm just going to put an alligator in the middle of her, in the middle of her house. And literally she's just freaking out. You see her just like jumping and screaming. And then she literally sa- says, that is the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And you just see Bam and his brother just laughing in the background, just like, oh, we got her, we got her. And there's even a point during the movie where she's like, no, I said a freaking, I said, no, you, you said straight up fuck. You said fuck. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh. I loved it. I, I, I just remember some of my favorite, I really did like Party Boy. When he would just go and take his pants off in the middle and just, like, everybody doesn't, like, they don't know who he is. And they're like, what is going on? He's just, like, shaking his thing at everybody. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was so funny. And all the bull, all, when they, like, do the bull stuff, it really makes me nervous. But I really liked when they had Wee Man try to, like, camouflage in the wall. <laughs> they were like, Okay, well, we'll see if the bull sees him, and he doesn't see him at first, and then he comes on the side, and he sees him, and he just goes flying. Uh, there's just so much hilarity in that group, and they just, they literally sacrificed their body for comedy. 
and I appreciate it. Definitely, definitely, dude. Definitely one of those proud supporters of Jackass, even though some people kind of frown upon it, as well as just like, hey, they're doing it for our comedy. They're doing it because it makes them laugh, and it makes us laugh at the same time. So at least give them props for that. So yeah. so this is going to be a little bit more of a definitely a downgrade from the incredibleness of Jackass, but I still think it's one of those movies that definitely does deserve recognition because it is also planning on getting a fourth movie installed, and that being Rush Hour. Now, the ones I picked, I had a hard time actually picking between the two of these. Actually, this morning I was thinking to myself, okay, let's count the funny moments here. See, here we'll see two, about 11 here, and then three, 11 here. Wow, it's a dead heap. It's a tie. You know what? I'm doing them both because, honestly, Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan are one of those duos that is absolutely amazing. You cannot pick two actors who are polar opposites but can work so well together chemistry-wise than those two. They knew how to work off each other where, you know, Jackie Chan, he's kind of like this serious guy, but he also tries to have a little bit of funny moments. Uh, Jackie, uh, Chris Tucker, he's kind of like the fun-loving guy, but when he needs to be serious, he can be serious. But he also wants, you know, his partner Lee to have some fun times. Uh, if I could pick a couple moments from these movies, one I think from Rush Hour Two is the scene where they're basically in Los Angeles. They're basically looking after. Uh, they're wa- they're watching a guy because they think that he's involved with the triads, and he has this uh, woman with them and basically Jackie Chan's it's his turn to basically go through the scope he's watching and then she slowly just starts undressing and Chris is just like hey what's going on man she's just standing around not doing much uh, just let just let me know if there's any change okay uh, I'm just gonna stand here I'm just gonna try and stay awake I'm so bored <laughs> and, and you just hear Jackie Chan have this line of and it's like, what the heck? <laughs> Jackie Chan, what are you doing? What is going on here, man? <laughs> Just, you, you are one of those guys who, you know, later on we find out he's a dad, but then again, it's not like <laughs> not like he's say, saying that while, you know, his kids are on the set. It's still one of those things where I'm just like, oh, wow. Well, Jackie Chan does have a little bit of, you know, humanist qualities to him. But it's one of those things. It's one of those moments where it's like, wow, that that just escalated. Uh, also, oh my gosh, Jeremy Piven was involved in the second one, and he just plays this like little homosexual guy who is just trying to almost like has a crush on uh, Chris Tucker's character, where he's just going like, you have the Mokuichina face, big man, big broad shoulders. Let's put a dead animal on you. Croc skin, buttercream, buttercream croc skin. What size is the waist? Let's go in. I'm like, what? What is going on with this guy? He just what the hell? <laughs> and I love Rush Hour is literally how like I got introduced. I think to Jackie Chan being funny, like because he's always been you know the action, the kung fu guy. Like in all of his movies, he's just kicking butt and taking names. And then this one, you're like, oh my gosh, he can be funny. Oh, he gets he gets the humor, and it's like Chris. I mean, Chris Tucker's always been funny. But but just like, can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I can't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> and they're just like, uh, they're so frustrated with each other. It's so funny. They work off each other so well. And I think for, I think for Rush Hour 3, I'll just pick one joke from there. Uh, this, this scene where basically Chris is trying to 
figure out who who the guy, who the guys are at the karate classes. He's like, "Who are you? You? Not yeah, just answer the damn question. Who are you? I have told you. But are you deaf? No, you is blind. I'm not blind. You blind. It's one of those things where it's like one guy's name is you and my one guy's name is me, and it's just one of the stupidest things. But it's the funniest jokes in the entire deal because it just confuses Chris Tucker throughout the whole deal where he's just like, I'm about to whoop everybody's ass in this entire thing. You, me, everyone's ass. Him? I, I just want to beat him up right now. It's like, God damn it. He gets <laughs> frustrated classic, over the simplest things. misdirection. I like it. <laughs> but, alright, so let's move on to the next one, which I believe is in your court. Serving up to you. What do you got for me? <laughs> alright, I think this is my second to last if we want to go over because this is my fifth. Alright. Um, so I decided I had to pick one that I feel like just always entertained me throughout high school it was The Hangover. Uh, How dare you? She's a nice lady. <laughs> what did you say? How dare you? She's a nice lady. You're such a fucking idiot. Your language is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Heather Graham, she's in this. Um. And uh, it's a basically, you know, the bachelor party goes to Vegas, and they lose the the groom. And then they try to recount their steps of their crazy drug-filled night uh, by checking out, like, receipts and different things that they did, and they're just retracing them, their steps to try to find Doug. And there's just so much humor. This is, I think, the first time we really get to be introduced to Zach Galifianakis. And this guy is just hilarious, no shame type of comedian who <laughs> just like wears a, a satchel, not a man purse, a satchel. It's a purse. And he he takes care of a baby, and it's just everything he does is hilarious. And he's like, you know, like I forget what what exactly he says, but it's like that's why you can't masturbate on a plane anymore. No, oh, like, you're like, what the hell? Like everybody like keeps looking at him like. And this this movie also, I think, I don't know if it introduced anyone else, but it also introduced me to Bradley Cooper, who is a hunk, and now has been in a multitude of other things, including Guardians of the Galaxy, he's Rocket, um, and oh man, Ed Helms, Ed Helms, Bradley Cooper, Zach Galifianakis, and I do not remember Doug's character, or Doug's actor. But he was, that's because he was gone the whole time. But uh, a lot of good songs. Uh, Mike Tyson, you know, punches people out. There's a tiger. Uh, they're trying to find their best friend, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's uh, awesome. It's such a great, funny movie. You're always laughing. And they're, they're it's just so unfortunate for them. And it all works out in the end. Yeah, this was one of those movies that I did not know what to really think of it, but I just found myself just finding so many moments where I'm just laughing like absolute crazy. Uh, I also will say it introduced me to uh, one of the uh, actors, uh, uh, Ken Jeong, I think was his name. He was he oh, was the yes, uh, yes. he was the, uh, the little Asian guy that everybody remembers. I think like everybody just remembers that like that's like his big screen debut is just he's just a naked Asian guy who just pops out of a trunk, beats up on Zach Galifianakis, Ed Holmes, and uh, Bradley Cooper, and it kind of just stuck with them. And it's just absolutely he's just been always funny no matter what. Where he's just like this little guy who can talk a big game, but then he's just 
try to be like sweet. It's absolutely amazing. And one of the things that I kind of, I don't know why this stuck out in my head for so many times when I watched this movie, but there's always this chicken that was in their like sweet. And I just remember thinking to myself, why is that chicken there? What, what, why is he there? He's just kind of like roaming around a bit. And then when uh, Ed Helms, of course, sings his song of, uh, uh, what do tigers dream of? When they take a little tiger's teeth, the chicken's just there on the piano, just like sitting there, listening. And I'm like, "Why is this chicken here?" It's one of those things that it's a small thing, but I'm. It's one of those things where it's like I need to know this question: Why is this chicken in this room? Why is it here? I don't know why it just keeps sticking out to me. But every single time I see, it's like there's the chicken again, and we don't have a reason why it's there. Give me something. We still don't know. But yeah, I know. It's just a lot of randomness and just so many different things happen. There's so many shock humors, like the grossness, like of the old man's butt. And just so many things happen on this this night, this one night at Vegas. And, you know, they end up having two more movies. Not as good, obviously, as the first one, but still enjoyable to me still enjoyable yeah I think that uh, when they brought the third one out and they had John Goodman play a villain it was one of those things like well this is kind of an interesting twist basically going to watch Sully basically try to kill somebody oh boy I'm never going to watch Monsters Inc. the same way again lovely (laughs) but yeah yeah the first installment of The Hangover was absolutely just can't beat it obviously like you said the second two were not as good but that happens with a lot of movies, unfortunately. Uh, if we want to talk about disgusting, I'll go into a more recent movie that I saw that actually came out this year, and I got a chance to watch it again on Voodoo. Uh, that being the movie Blockers, which basically talks about a bunch of parents are trying to basically interrupt their daughter's uh, sex pack. They're trying to basically say, no, we don't want our kids to you know, have sex, where they go to prom, and just, again, hilarity ensues. It features, um, I want to try, I'm going to figure out who the actress's name is, but uh, it features uh, Ike Barinholtz, some people might remember that name from Mad TV, love a lot of the stuff that he does. Uh, Pairing him with John Cena was just absolutely great. Uh, They both do a lot of, like, the physical humor, and they just work off each other so well. Again, as I mentioned before, John Cena being very good in um, comedies. I think that that's where he's really starting to find his stride. I think a lot of people are kind of still remembering a lot of times when he was doing action movies and he's like, well, he's not that good of an actor. But then when they see him do comedies, like, oh, he actually, he really is good. He's, he's more of an entertainer than I think an action star. But we could get a change in that when we have Bumblebee come out in a few months, cheap plug. Uh, and then we have a Le- Leslie Mann, who I've seen her in George of the Jungle, I've seen her in, um, how was the other movie, uh, Funny People, and she always is kind of like one of those mother-like um, characters, she always has like mother-like characters whenever she plays them, so this was the perfect role for her, she just basically doesn't want her daughter to make the same mistakes that she did, but it's kind of one of those things where she wants them to have a tight connection and to kind of almost be identical twins, and even like they see on the on the poster there where she's basically doing like the whole, like, you know, 
like the whole chubby cheeks deal to her, her daughter, and her daughter's just like, oh, please, just get me away from her. But in addition to some of the comedy, there's a lot of really good heartwarming deals. Like Ike Barinholtz's uh, daughter basically admits to him that you know she's gay, and that was one of those things where it's like, okay, oh, this was a, this is kind of a bit of a shock to me. But it's one of those things where, for Ike's character, he's he's thrilled because. It's one of those things where they have a connection now. For a long time, Ike wanted to have some kind of connection with his daughter. And now it's like, yes, this is the start of our connection. We're starting to get back on track. But he actually still acts like a dad. And with Leslie, she learns to sort of let go. With with uh, John C.'s character, I don't know. I think he started to really learn to let his daughter kind of be her own woman. Uh, there is an end scene sequence where... They picked up something during the movie where they're playing like a, like a naked version of like Marco Polo. It, so basically, it's like hit, it's like him and his quote unquote wife just doing that, and then basically their daughter just walks in when she comes back from college, and all you hear just see is them just going ah ah, and then she's like ah, <laughs> just just absolute hilarity, and it's definitely one of the best movies of this year. Will it make my top ten list? Well, we'll find out in December. So definitely tune into the podcast in about four months, actually. So, oh wow, I know. that's too close. <laughs> but yeah, Blockers was definitely very funny. I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch Blockers? I have never seen Blockers. Um, I was I didn't really hear anything about it to be honest. So I I wouldn't mind seeing it. I just. One thing about me is I don't think I I necessarily seek out comedies, and especially like to go to the theater for. I, it has to be a really, really like good comedy or something I'm really excited about. I I, I don't really go to see comedies anymore, and I've noticed that about myself. And I'm like, oh, that stinks. I, I really wish some really good comedies would start coming out again, like with some of the famous comedians, and I, I really want them to come back out with stuff that I'm excited to go see, but as of right now, like, like I, I wouldn't have gone to see Blockers just because it doesn't appeal to me to a teenage girl, I, I don't know, it just doesn't appeal to me. Like, Tag is something that I almost went to go see, but I heard it was bad, so I didn't go see it. Oh, that one. I, I, I know which one you're talking about. The one where there's like a bunch of grown men playing tag and basically... Yeah, they've basically, played it for a long time and it's Jeremy Renner, Ed Helms, and a few other funny dudes. Yeah, basically, spoiler like, alert, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure Hawkeye doesn't get tagged. Right. Hawkeye's the one who has never been tagged, Jeremy Renner. I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Um... And also, wait, John Madden is in it, too, or, or what is his name? He's the guy from Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh, um, oh, gosh. I... John Hamm. Hamm. John, oh, John Hamm. Ham. Okay. Yeah, which uh, a lot of people are like, oh, he's not funny, but he's pretty funny. He's been funny in a few things that I've seen. But it looked good. I just heard it wasn't, wasn't worth it. So I, I will rent it when it comes out. But that's kind of how comedies have been. Like, I don't remember a comedy that I've seen in the past maybe two, two or three years, maybe, that I would have gone to the theater for, which is sad to me. 
Well, I'll have to send you a list of a couple of the recent ones that have been actually pretty good. But Okay, good. Which, but, all right, so we each got one more left, so rounding it off, what have you got to round off your list? Well, to finish it off, I wanted to do an animated uh, film that I, and it's a classic, and I just love, and I, it actually was just in a movie that I watched uh, yesterday, which I was very impressed, but uh, talk about Mike Myers uh, and Eddie Murphy, we've spoken both of those names, and uh, talking about Shrek, of course. Cameron Diaz is in it as well, the voice of her. Um, It's basically about this ogre who just wants his swamp to be left alone, and then the dang nabbit Lord Farquaad puts all the fairy tale creatures in his swamp, and so he needs to go tell Lord Farquaad that, no, I want all these fairy tale creatures off my swamp, and I want to be left alone. And when he tries to go do that, like he meets a donkey, a talking donkey, who is Eddie Murphy. And he's hilarious in this film, as usual. And then he has to go on a quest to find Lord Farquaad, a queen. And that's how Princess Fiona gets involved. And Cameron Diaz's character. And it's just a great tale with smash mouth music throughout the whole time. And you're just, uh, the, I mean... It's just a great soundtrack and a great film. And the animation for the time, DreamWorks was killing it back in the day. And it, it was good animation for the time. I think it came out in, like, 2000. Yeah, I think, uh, actually it came out 2001, so you were actually really, really close. Wow! Uh, That's crazy how long ago that was. Yeah, and I think that that's the one that really does stick out to most of us. Because obviously we all know what happened after that. We get... Shrek 2, 3, and then I think it was the 5. I think they stopped at 4, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but. I do think there's a 4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and some of those are, like, hit and miss, but you can't really beat the first one. The chemistry that Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy have, it is uncanny. Uh, Cameron Diaz makes her return, basically, to doing something that's, you know, of course, animated, but she's one of those characters that a lot of people can kind of relate to, where you're basically just thinking, well, maybe I'm just not quite they were trusty people, but then you know, meets up with <clears throat> meets up with Shrek and who's an ogre, and it's like, well, I guess this can be, you know, deceiving and I, I will say this that I think that if I compare this to the um, uh, what is it um, the, there, there's actually a musical that was, uh, that's been on Broadway and has been performed yeah, all Shrek over the musical. yep and yeah, I actually watched that on Netflix. It was pretty good. It is really good. It definitely gives a lot more depth to the character, make them a little bit more paha funny sometimes, but they're still very close to the characters that you see in the in the movie, and it's really crazy to find out that it's also based on a book ironically known as Shrek. I actually did not know that until I went on the Wikipedia page. I'm like, well, who's the guy who plays... Lord Farquaad, oh yeah, John Lithgow, and then it's based on Shrek. Wait, what? Oh, this is another one that was based on a movie, and somehow it was successful. Totally cool with that. That's that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I did not know that Shrek was a book. <laughs> now we both know. Yeah, again, cool. there's a lot of really good, funny stuff. Like, I think everybody knows about the whole deal where Shrek talks about how ogres are like onions. They stink? <laughs> yeah, yes. No. 
No. Oh, they make you cry. No. Oh, when you leave them out in the sun, they turn all brown and sprout little white hairs. No. Layers. <laughs> Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. D you get it. We both have layers. And then just Donkey talks about random stuff that makes absolutely no sense. And it just ends with... Well, it's him. like, well, you could have picked cake. Cake has layers. <laughs> it's like, no, we're onions. <laughs> so, ogres are like onions. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. Or, and, hey, uh, could I stay with you? And in the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> <laughs> just it's just so good. And the movie that I was watching the other day that it was in was uh, I Am Legend. Do you remember that one with Will Smith? Oh, yeah. And, like, he, like, like Will Smith does all the voices, like, in this movie, like, because that's one of the only movies he has in, like, apocalyptic times type of thing. And I was like, oh, now this movie makes you want to go watch Shrek again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Shrek was definitely one of those movies that was ahead of its time, but it was definitely a golden gem in, in, the, in the 2000s. And it definitely starts off basically 2000s on a right note. So, oh, yeah. the final one that I have is one that's from a bunch of guys who are quote-unquote classy, very British-like, and that being Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. Now, of course, a lot of yes. people know the comedy group Monty Python. They know that they've done a lot of movies such as uh, Life of Brian, uh, The Meaning of Life, which I've seen both of them and they are just as funny. But... Um, Monty Python and Search for the Holy Grail is always the standout-ish one because it basically talks about the adventures of King Arthur and they try to incorporate so many random things where, like, they make, they make a joke about how the earth is banana-shaped and they break out into songs every now and then, like the, uh, they talk, they... They're like, let's ride off to Camelot. And then we go into like this random musical number. It's like, we're knights of the round table. We're now we naval. And just this guy ends with him saying, I have to push the Pramalot. And they're just like, yeah, let's not go there. It's it's silly. And then, of course, we get the very, oh, man. This is one of those, it's, I don't know if this is the reason why I hate the French, but it's one of those things where it's like, I think this fuels the fire for why I hate the French. Because... They go to a castle, they see a bunch of French guys, and they're just taunting at them, like, Go pull your bottoms, I blow my nose at you, I spit in your funeral direction. It's just doing this stuff where it's like, this just... Like, we can't go up, we can't go in your castle, no. <laughs> no, no, go away or I shall taunt you a second time. They just start throwing <laughs> random stuff, like animals, and just random stuff. It's really just absolutely funny. All these, like, crazy adventures that they go on, and... It's some of the stupidest stuff, but it's some of the funniest stuff that you've ever seen. Even some of the fight scenes are ridiculous. Oh, uh, the, the Black Knight. Yep, that was what I was going into, the oh, Black yes. Knight scene, where he... That's a classic. His arms and legs are getting cut off, and all he's just saying, like, oh, it's a, it's a scratch, it's a flesh wound, it's nothing. Oh, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, bleed on me? I'm invincible! The Black Knight always <laughs> triumphs in the end! How about you? <laughs> And then just, just they just cut off the rest of his legs, and he's like, you know, we'll, "We'll call it a draw. We'll call it good." <laughs> it's, it's one of those. It's one of those movies that got me so hyped and so amped up that I actually remember doing this, uh, the Black Knight scene for uh, the variety show that I did in high school, 
And everybody just busted out laughing. They thought, oh, man, that's still just as funny. And we even improved a line where the Black Knight guy just says, like, excuse me, could, could maybe somebody offer me a hand or perhaps a set of legs? Just, <laughs> just, just absolutely amazing. And I tried incorporating Monty Python so many times during high school. It, it's one of those deals where Monty Python is one of the best comedy groups of all time and their movies oh, yeah. are definitely legendary. Monty Python Search for the Holy Grail will always be a worldwide treasure to everybody. Oh yeah, and I, I, I mean British humor is a little dry for everybody, but I mean you gotta take it as it is in this. It's just so like, the fact that it's so dry that you have to laugh at it. It's just like, like this is really happening. Like this guy, like People, they take themselves seriously, and that's why it's it's more funny. Like, the fact that the French guy, like, at the top of the cast, like, no, no, you go away. They're like, what? Come on. <laughs> Come on, dude. I, I, uh, I think what I love about Monty Python is the fact that they also try to modernize it just a little bit, where it's like, okay, they're making it classy, but they also are just, they can kind of hit home with a lot of people with, you know, in America or around the world where they could be like, okay, so th- this we can kind of relate to. And if you look at it, it's just so low budget too. Like, you know that they didn't spend like any money on this. Like they don't even ride horses. Like <laughs> <laughs> They just have a guy in the back just playing coconuts together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like they're like, I'm wrong. And they're just trying. <laughs> it just, my God. And yeah, they spent like no money, and they made so much money. I, this is actually just re- really crazy. Is that um, it says that this was uh in ni- it was a nineteen seventy five film. And I'm thinking th- there was no way that it was released in nineteen. 19- Holy cow, is released in nineteen seventy five. That is yeah. insane. And you're right. The budget, honestly, this is probably one of the cheapest movies I've seen. The budget was like four hundred thousand dollars, and they end up making a box office uh, hit of five million dollars. <laughs> Wow, and then just—it probably doesn't even tell you how much they've made over the years. They—they've made well, maybe even close to a billion. I feel everybody has it. I have a DVD and a Blu-ray. I have two things of it. It's so it's like they—I mean, the royalties. <laughs> not trying to make a pun there, but are are great with with that one. Oh my gosh. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Game Changer Comedy Movie Appreciation that you can call it. Uh, question that will end it for the day, you guys, is what are your some of your favorite comedic movies? Let us know in the comments. Let us know uh, via our Facebook fan page. Let, let me know via Twitter what your some of your favorite comedies are. And honestly, this is always a lot of fun, just talking about a lot of the funny stuff that we've noticed over the years. And some of it gets better. And then there's some of it where it's just like, wow, I kind of prefer this classic comedy where they didn't, like, force these jokes out, where but it just, like, naturally kind of worked into it. It wasn't one of those things where it's just like, oh, we need a situation where it works out to be a fart joke at the end, where it's like, no, it, it works with the situation, like, you know, a fart joke that happens during a scary movie deal uh, could be a complete miss, but then when you go back to Tropic Thunder and there's a deal where... Jack Black and uh, I think it's probably Al Pacino or Jay. They're just standing there. They're all scared. And Jack Black, he just does a fart as like a way of just saying like, "Yeah, I'm kind of scared right now." 
making that like a natural deal like that. That's where true comedy lies. Not just one of those things where you force a joke out. You got to make it flow naturally and make it seem where it's like you're building up to it. And then when it hits, it's like, aha, got it. Got it. <laughs> got it. But, all right, so, like I said, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of The Game Changer. As always, you can follow my co-host, Victory Bill, on Facebook, as well as on Twitter. You know where to find me. You know how to hit me up. Still a lot of stuff going on throughout the month, you guys. So, for Victory Bill, I've been Nate the and Great. This has been an amazing and very fun-filled edition. And we will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. Tim Tim pays for days in the maze and there's a minute tall tall tiny minute tall tall little minute tall tall mini minute tall tall minute tall tall tiny minute tall tall little minute tall tall mini minute tall tall cute little tiny little minute tall sitting in a cradle he thinks that maybe it's a baby but it may be more of a tiny minute tall little minute tall do you any minute tall minute tall tall tiny minute tall tall little minute tall tall mini minute tall tall minute tall tall tiny minute tall tall little minute Tartars hate Tartars, so I'm definitely allergic to Tartars, so you'll find me to have some Tartar, Tim Tim. You'll need some Tartar to kill him. Take a look at Grim Grim for Tim Tim. Wait, what's that in his tum tum, Tim Tim? It's about a Tartar, Tim Tim. So one before you tried to kill him. Open the jaw. Open the jaw. Release Tartar to kill him in a Tartar. Tartar. My only weakness. Oh, I'm alive. Stop singing songs about me. You're ruining my life. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.